Hello and welcome to VodkaCast for the week of April 13th, uh, which will be our first recording for the spring season of anime. I'm your host, Dustin, and with me today is Larry. Friday the 13th. Want to guess how this podcast is gonna go? I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, Ben. Hi there. And Aaron is around here somewhere as well. Uh, I left Uh, my canned crickets at home. As always, you can find show notes at www.projectre.net or at www.audioentropy.com. And uh, before we get on to the spring season, um, actually, I should probably mention, uh, Emily will not be with us this week because of scheduling issues with, uh, with her work. I may just tack on the so- uh, Capture Sakura segment to the end of this podcast if Ben and I can record with her before uh, uh, we do the next podcast, but, you know, we'll see. Anyway, um, before we move on to the spring season, we're going to take care of the last little remainder from the winter season uh, with Violet Evergarden, episode 13, which I still maintain mm, I'm not sure how much this really did. There are some cool action sequences, but I feel like the last half of it, where the core emotional part of it is, probably could have been just integrated with episode 9. Uh... That's my hot take. I disagree. Because I think uh, the... I think... Alright, I have some issues with... I have some issues with uh, the the plot of episodes 12 and 13. Or or the... Well, episode 12 plus the first half of 13. I have some issues with that. uh, Which I will get into. But the basic idea, I will defend... I will defend it. Because what I think... Like episode nine, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. Episode nine is the point when Violet makes a a breakthrough in terms of her emotional development. And what I like about the subsequent episodes, especially episode ten, uh, but what I like about the later episodes is it shows what kind of person Violet is after her emotional breakthrough. And I really appreciate that because. A lot of shows don't give me that, and I miss it. Uh, so I am, I am, I'm actually pleased with the the way it Violet, the way Violet turned out overall. However, I do think that the like the war, the war plotline, especially in episode twelve, was underwritten. Yeah, the the whole thing about the conflict is just way too shallow to the point where I don't think they ever even bother explaining what the other side wants. Well, just more. Okay, <laughs> yeah, you can read it. You can. Yeah, the thing is, the show like you can read into it. You know, a plausible interpretation of what the other side's motivation is, which is that basically that there's a faction there's that. Like, okay, reading between the lines, the way the war played out was that it was mostly a piece of exhaustion, except that uh, Leiden, which is uh, Violet's home country, uh, Leiden basically ended up with better terms in the uh, in the you know by the end of the war, 
Uh, but neither side was really in a mood to continue, except for a small minority uh, of the uh, of, Gar- of the uh, Garderick army. And so the bad guys in episode, well, in episodes eleven and twelve are this uh, small minority of the Garderick army who were unsatisfied with the with the terms at the end of the war. Uh, it's kind of because you know Vi- because Violet Evergarden is really playing with like the World War One parallels, and so what you end up with is that you have this you know this group you know you know with Garderick basically playing the role of the Germans. And yeah, one of the un- one of the unsavory things about the end of World War One was that was that a lot of a lot of Germans believed that you know that Germany called off you know they basically gave up too easily and too early because as of Armistice Day, like the other side had not actually made any territorial gains in on German soil. It was just that, you know, eventually they were going to invade Germany. And, you know, it was not going to turn out well. Yeah. And also because literally everyone was running out of people to send to die. Yes. Uh, That's how wars of attrition kind of work, you know. Right. And so at the point point when Germany gave up, uh, you know, on Armistice Day, they actually had troops on French soil. Uh, so, you know, except that, you know, they were about to retreat. <laughs> They're about to retreat because they were going to be overwhelmed by, you know, American reinforcements. Uh, it's every war you have a faction that believes that right. they got a raw deal on it. Right. And let's go back and let's go back and replay the last uh, right. three innings again. Yeah. So, so with Violet Evergarden, you can, you can, you know, reading between the lines... You know, reading between the lines, you can make that kind of, you can you can play out with that kind of parallel. Except the show does not actually provide the necessary, does not actually do it. You know, so you just sort of have to make it. You just sort of have to interpret without. You know, so the show doesn't actually make that connection explicitly, and it doesn't really. It doesn't do the work. Yeah, and it's really hard to feel any sort of tension with the scenarios they set up when I don't even really know what the stakes are and what it means if they succeed in this particular action other than, like, some people... Other than, like, maybe Violet dies. <laughs> like, um... But yeah, it, it's just, like, very undercooked in that regard. Um, yeah. Though, honestly, like, my main issue with... Uh, I sort of already said this about episodes 9, 10, not, not sorry, not 9, uh, 10 through 12, so I'll, I'll save the whole big spiel, but um, I know I feel a lot of it just didn't necessarily need to be included. Um, like, at, at most, I'd say you make an episode 10 that's kind of an epilogue that uh, sort of focuses more... Pin, that has a more pinpoint focus on uh, Violet dealing with um, her the the dude she loves her her his brother 
That's his brother, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Gilbert, it's his older Gil brother. Yeah, Gilbert. Gilbert was the guy. Gilbert was the guy that she loved. Uh, yeah, and Detard was the older brother. Yeah. So do, doing a more pinpoint focus on her dealing with uh, Gilbert's brother and meeting the mom at the end and having that be the capstone. Um, I feel that would work a lot better, um, and I think partly because. Especially by the time I got through with episodes 10 and 10, 11, and 12, I had kind of gotten burned out by all the close up shots of Violet uh, crying. So when it happened it, at episode 13, it just didn't have the impact that I feel it would have if it had just come directly after episode 9 for me. Um, well, and I know that's kind of a hard thing to prove, but it's what I believe in my soul. Uh, and, so, and, and the thing that I kind of looked at was I watched the whole episode, and at the very, very end where she's introducing herself at the door, and then all of a sudden the door opens and her facial expression changes. I'd sure like to know what was behind that door. Yeah. It was her major all along. <laughs> no, if if they had if they had revealed that like oh Gilbert had actually lived the whole time, I I actually kind of would have been pretty pissed. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been great. No, you didn't. That you, you don't that, need that. You really that would have been so good though. We, we we recovered his head and put it on a robot body. You oh, we've no, made no, a no, mecha no, Gilbert no, no, for you. Anyway. I'm going to give episode 13 a 4. I'm going to give the series as a whole a low 5 because I think its strengths are vastly outweigh its weaknesses. Um, I, I could go I'm, with that, but I'd like to give the thing overall a 4. 4s and 4s. Because there was uh, some of it that was kind of like... Eh. Yeah, I'm going to give episode 13 a 3 um, because half of it was solid... And half of it, I just felt, didn't really earn its existence. Um, and the series as a whole, I will give a four. If it had ended at nine, I would have given it a five. Hmm. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, I think I agree with that. Yeah, we, uh, we, we agree to disagree again. That's a okay. good thing. All right, so let's move on. Uh, and we'll be doing this in alphabetical order. Uh, starting with Caligula, episode one, which, um, despite the, you know, somewhat well-trod premise, act was kind of interesting, actually. I'm not sure if it'll end up being good, but yeah. it has my attention. Yes, yes it does. I'm, uh, uh one th I'm definitely intrigued to see what, how, what happens next. One of the things I appreciate is when the main character is doing his whole spiel about like, oh yeah, let me tell you about this philosophical thing I just read that's definitely going to be a major part of what the theme of the show is. Uh, in most other shows, like his friends would be like, oh, how interesting. Oh, wow, you're so smart. They're like, they just immediately <laughs> just shut him down. <laughs> They're just like, dude, we get it. We get it. It's like, right. whatever, nerd. <laughs> he's, he's not sure how to deal, deal with that. It's wonderful. Um, I guess just to give a brief uh, summary of what the heck Caligula seems to be about, uh, 
basically these high school students are in like what seems to be a uh, made up world, possibly virtual reality that they cannot distinguish from real life. Uh, and kind of at the end of the, there's some hints that something's wrong at the end of the episode. Uh, well, in the middle or so, and then at the end, everything just goes to hell, and their classroom is attacked by weird, sort of crystal monsters. It's very FF thirteen. <laughs> Main characters are going to turn into Lassie. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, based well, on the the, I think the ending, it, <laughs> that doesn't seem to be far off there, Dustin. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's why I based it off of because I noticed in the ending theme, it's like, oh, the main character has like a weird crystal spike jutting out of his chest. It'll be fine. Um, but yeah, like the animation is fine. Um, so far, the characters are, you know, fairly believably written. Like they, even sort of the main character who's kind of an overbearing uh oh look how smart i am kind of guy the show acknowledges that he's kind of obnoxious about it um so it's not like they're they think is oh he's so cool uh it's just he's a dude um he's a know-it-all and his friends he, are just like yeah okay man yeah uh that's cool and like there, this and some of the cinema cinema uh, some of the cinematography is genuinely pretty good. Uh, the like the one scene where he's trying to play the song for his friends, and then in a very sort of pod people esque scenario, like everyone just stops and then immediately turns around to look at him, including people on the street, just in unison. Yeah, and... that's actually the scene that I'm trying to make a web of right now. And it's like a really well done moment, and actually feels super creepy. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's like one of the that's like one of the uh, that's one of the uh, parts of the show where, where where like the hints that you know <laughs> all is not as it seems really comes to the fore. Uh, yeah. So like it, it's got a lot of good stuff going for it. I think it's too early to tell uh, whether or not it'll end up. Uh, whether it'll, it'll keep that quality since uh, with this type of premise it could easily descend into just really dumb bullshit uh, but so far the writing has been totally fine um, and in some cases actually fairly good uh, yeah. so I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in the next episode so I'll give it a 4 yeah I'll give it a 4 as well solid start yeah, yeah All right. I did I can't really think of anything. Um, Did you have anything you want to say, or no? Okay. <laughs> oh, I also, I also really like the uh, the scene with the girl's mother, the second mother. Oh, yeah, yeah, where just suddenly she has a different mother, and she's like, what is going on? Yeah, yeah, the mother's like, yeah, I made it, I can't wait to eat it with you. And she's just like, wait, wait a minute, what? <laughs> yeah, that was real good. Um, so the, the scenes where they were just, like, giving the this is not right, something is off scenes were done real well. Yeah. Um, moving on to... Uh, Golden Cowboy episode one, where 
had some issues. Uh, well, yeah, in terms of the in terms of the animation. <laughs> yeah, the actual story itself is like a really solid premise, and I like the characters a lot. But who boy, um, that bear was rough. It was rough. It like on its own, it wasn't bad. The problem was is that it didn't fit with what with, with with like the rest of the show. It just like it didn't fit with the style of, of like all the other characters and the scenery. It, yeah, it just like, stuck out. It, it stuck out in a very distracting way. Yeah, and then and then even though like the wolf friend was you know technically better animated, it was still so obviously CG that it didn't exactly help matters when suddenly the wolf showed up. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. Well, the thing is, the wolf was animated in a style closer to the rest of the characters. It's just the bear did not fit. Yeah, because like, yeah, the wolf was CG, but was more closer to the stylized anime CG um, that the, uh, like you said, more closely matched how the other characters were drawn uh, that were not CG. Whereas the bear was like this sort of weirdly going for a realistic bear look as if someone had just uh, bought um, a Unity like the Unity game engine asset for 3D Bear and just, you no know, copy-pasted it into an anime. Oh my god! So I didn't watch this because I've read the manga and I was going to watch it later, but holy crap. Yeah, you know what you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, it, it looks like a Unity asset. Wait, wait, I got... I gotta it's, put it's, this up. It's nuts. I'm but yeah, like it, the thing is, I'm willing to look past this because the story is solid. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Like it's it, it's not it's not ruining it for me. I just found it to make a scene that should have been like really dramatic, just comical yeah. instead. Yeah, <laughs> that. That part especially, when the two differently animated CGI models interact, is just the goofiest thing in the universe. <laughs> it looks so stupid! Yeah, they're... <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Um, I, I believe that to be a candidate for album art, Dustin. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was definitely considering it. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I like... Everything else about Golden Kamuy, I like a lot. I like the characters... Uh, I like the premise of it. Um, I like how the action scene ended up resolving. Um, it's just, yeah, hopefully they won't do a whole lot of CG because that was just kind of embarrassing. Although even the normal animation isn't that good in most places. Yeah, the normal animation, like, it's, it's not great. Like, it's okay. Uh, but at least with that, I'm kind of used to seeing, like, a budget 2D stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... and I, and I've and I've sort of like grown to accept it and don't really, yeah, you know, uh, it, it doesn't really jar me as much as the bear did. Well, yeah, yeah. Keep in mind, this is this is a new studio, uh, and whose previous work was Kokoku. His previous work was what? The, they did. Kokoku. Oh, really? They did Kokoku. Huh. But that that was well animated. Yeah. That, even like the the guardians that were all CG, like 
they were clearly CG, but at least they look fine, and also they kind of had the excuse of, like, they're these otherworldly entities, so looking a little out of place, you know, actually kind of helped in some situations. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, not not so much here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, that's the thing. It's just, yeah, okay. I mean, the bear fights, I think, I don't know, like, they're going to have to really step it up in order... Yeah. They're going to really have to step it up in order for future bear fights to not look stupid. But uh, I think the rest of the show should be fine. Yeah, assuming I that, do want... <laughs> assuming that there isn't a complete management collapse. Yeah, I do want to up. mention uh, a couple days ago I got a tweet from Fathomless Blue, uh, who has an uh, I'm convinced an encyclopedic knowledge of things I have said previously on Bakacasts. Uh, where he posted, uh, still the, uh, the GM says, I want there to be more fights involving bears in anime. Mysterious voice, your wish is my command. The sound of a monkey's paw slowly closing. And then just a <laughs> screen cap of the CGI bear. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, yeah. I saw that tweet. Uh-huh. That was Look what you've pretty... done, Dustin. Yeah, I know. You have brought ruin I... upon us all. <laughs> Truly, it's all my fault. Um, but yeah, no, uh, you know, it's. I'm, I'm sure the rest of the anime will be fine and and perfectly fun. But uh, yeah, it's just hard not to mention the fair. I'm gonna give this episode a four. Uh, I will as well. Uh, all right. Uh, next up is a uh, Gurazeni. Okay. Yeah. So Gurazeni, whatever. Okay, um, Gurazeni. All right. Yeah. So Gurazeni is about. A professional baseball player, which, you know, which is already kind of unusual, because uh, most baseball anime are about high school. Uh, so, but but this is a, uh, like, so what's interesting about it is that, you know, it's a professional baseball player, but he's also like, he's like a journeyman type of uh, player. He's like, his level of talent is kind of middle of the pack. And so he's a he's a relief pitcher for this team, you know, who like, you know, who like, you know, he he comes up, you know, they you know they they put him you know they put him out they put him out there in order to uh, you know in order to get out like in order to put in order to get out like left-handed hitters because uh, he's a lefty, uh, you know. And so, like, he's pretty, he's okay at what he does, uh, but he's not especially, he's not especially phenomenal. And so the big fixation, and which actually comes from, which actually the title, the title translates as uh, Money Pitch. Eh. Uh, like, yeah, because the, uh, the Gura... The, like zeni means money and uh gura is short for ground yeah i know zeni means money i've played yeah. video games yeah <laughs> right <laughs> okay yes uh yes i'm showing my total uh weeaboo nature here uh <laughs> it's fine uh but yeah uh, as if the rest of us aren't <laughs> right but so but the, so the fixation so the fixation like there's relatively little baseball in this thing, and what it's really about is it's about money, and it's about careerism. Because, like, 
this guy so the, the perfect man, anime for my dad yeah it's it's like <laughs> it's not really a sports anime it's more of a salaryman anime in a sports in in the sports world like you know so you got this guy who, who's basically he's fixated on like making as much money as he can because you know as a as a baseball player he knows that you know his career is not going to last that long like once he's in his 30s his arm is going to you know his arm is just not going to cut it uh and he'll have to like try and find something else to do you know or like have enough money built up that he can live off of his savings and or investments and and so like and so he he like you know he looks at other players you know he looks at other players and like you know you know he looks at their stats but more importantly he looks at their salaries and he sort of uh you know and and you know he and like you know all of his fellow players you know sort of see salaries that sort of see their like their salaries as kind of a proxy for their power level it's the it's really a strange perspective uh, that you don't see in a lot of anime, and it's interesting. Uh, but, you know, but as, like, it does not make an especially compelling sports anime. So if you're looking for that, you're not going to get it. Uh, you know, because the sports action is not very well done. You know, you know, even though, like, you know, there's some element of tension as, like, you know, these people are worried about, like, you know, because what happens on the field affects their careers, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a show that sounded uh, kind of interesting, but um, there was so much stuff, stuff coming out, and I had so little time uh, that I kind of had to prioritize, so it just didn't make the list, but I, I might get back to it. Uh, yeah. Once I start cutting stuff down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's an interesting. It's like I said, it's an interesting show, and I think I'll keep at it. Uh, I'll give it, you know, maybe a high three or a low four, somewhere around that. Well. All right. So uh, let's talk about L.O.G.H. Uh, Legend of the Galactic Heroes, the uh, remake from Production I.G. Um, it's got pretty animation. Yeah, it does. But here's a caveat to that: they ruined my precious boys. <laughs> oh, the hair is totally wrong. <laughs> also, Siegfried and. Reinhardt are just not gay enough. They drastically reduced how homosexual they were, and that is the biggest crime of this remake so far. Um, but yeah, I, I I sound jokey about it, but I am kind of serious. Like one of the things I liked about the character designs of Logh is they didn't look like generic anime people. Um, they looked like actual dudes with actual like hairstyles and haircuts uh 
especially like with um, <clears throat> Reinhardt and Kier Heist having that sort of voluminous, like uh, curly stuff going on with their hair, and like the point where um, Reinhardt could sort of uh, curl Kier Heist's hair on his finger in the one of the first scenes we see them in, um, and. That actually kind of matters to me. Like, I, I, I miss that now that everyone has the sort of generic, like, uh, pointy, straight anime hair design. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it loses a lot from the characters because, like, one of the things about Reinhardt and Kierheis and Yang is that they their character designs kind of make them look softer and less inherently threatening than other characters in the show uh but they end up being the biggest power players despite not looking like you know traditional forms of authority so yeah yeah it it is kind of an issue to me that they animeified their character designs a bit more um, but on the flip side, production IG is just absolutely incredible at uh, background design and vehicle design. And yeah, the, man, the battle scenes look so much better as a result. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's hard to es- it's hard to overestimate how much more interesting the battle scenes look than they did in the original series. <laughs> It's so much more exciting. Yeah. But, yeah, but of course, you know, like, the real the real heart of this whole thing is the tactics and the mentalities of the characters. Oh, yeah, certainly. And, uh, and that still shines through. Yeah, that, that definitely still carries over. Um, like, one of the things I said uh, fairly often when we were reviewing LOGH as a retro review is that um, I really like the battle scenes, but kind of in spite of how they were animated, uh, what, carried, what carried me through them is how interesting the tactics on display were, were and um, sort of the people in charge talking their way through the battle scenes, not necessarily the the actual scenes of the battle themselves whereas here you kind of get the best of both worlds you still get the tactics and the communication and diplomacy and also you get the actual battles themselves that are more visually engaging than they've ever been before uh so i I mean so far i'm not sure if we're gonna end up uh uh, talking about it on the podcast um, simply because if it hews pretty closely to the original series it would seem kind of silly to just praise the exact same things we did before. You mean overly gush? <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm not sure if it's a particularly good candidate for uh, you know review for like the bi-weekly reviews just because you know so far it's fairly faithful in terms of content. Uh. Well, uh, one other, well, okay, yeah, so one other thing about the original, and um, what I'm, I'm interested to see how they do, how they handle it in this uh, you know, reboot, is how they handle the hand-to-hand combat scenes, because... Oh, yeah, because that would be the, interesting. Because in the original, they, uh, the original, like, even though, like, the animation was 
not exactly stellar. Like, the way they were choreographed and the art style gave the uh, hand-to-hand combat scene a visceral punch. Yeah. I mean, like, the battle scenes, um, even in just, like, the the Ghost in the Shell TV series, uh, uh, standalone complex, were pretty good. So I I can't imagine that IG will have much trouble adapting those effectively. Yeah, Um, well, it's So I I have a lot of faith that they'll do right by the hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. Um, It's just, you know, just a thing to note. Oh, yeah, certainly. Uh, Um, Yeah, and as far as character... As far as character design, like, yeah, I mean, a lot of the characters have, like, conventional... They're basically conventional anime pretty boys. Uh... But Yang still has his slouchiness. Yeah. Which I which I which I appreciated. Because you know, that's like uh like crucial to Yang's character. Is that Oh yeah, hundred you know, percent. Yeah, even though he you know, he, he's kind of you know you know, slouch you know, he slouches and he's kind of self deprecating, but yet his mind is just you know, leagues ahead of everybody else. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's important to keep that uh, element of Yang that makes everybody underestimate him. Uh, but yeah, I I'd say that for now, like I'm mostly positive on this remake. Um, again, the really the only issues I have are that uh, Reinhardt and. Uh, Siegfried aren't aren't gay enough. Um, I'm not crazy about uh, the redesigns in most aspects. And also, um, I feel the soundtrack, while it's fine, I don't like it as much as the original because it's more generic sci-fi anime now and less space opera. And Uh, one thing I really appreciate, appreciate about some of the music in the original LOGH was how space opera-y it was. Well, well, they basically, well, they basically, they basically, uh, adapted a bunch of cla- old classical tracks. Yeah, which, like, I think works perfectly. Um, yeah. I would have been fine with them just kind of updating that. Uh, in fact, I think I would have preferred it. Um, I remember, like, when I was listening to the ending theme, I think it is, and it's, I know, it just feels weird to have sort of, even like, even like slow pop song, um, it feels weird to have as the opening theme for L.O.G.H. (laughs) By Hiroyuki Hiroyuki Sawano, no less. Relatively pretty understated for Sawano. Yeah, like... I mean, it's a perfectly fine song. Like, I like it as a song. It just feels weird to have as the opening to Legend of the Galactic Heroes. <laughs> but maybe that's just my own strange biases. Well, it's because... Yeah, it's because we've, we've all imprinted on the old version. You know, if, you, if the old version did not exist, this would be... <laughs> yeah. This would be a perfectly uh, fine show. It, 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 it feels to me... I, I think I would have the same feeling if, like, they create a new season of, of like, Banner of the Stars and this sort of song was the opening theme for that. Just because Banner and Crest are so heavily linked with the more orchestral kind of opening and ending themes to me. Correct. 
Yeah, like or orchestral just has such a strong link with space opera in my you mind. Know, you, you brought up that, that it's subject, hard to get away from that. You brought up that subject, and the person that I was thinking about, if that was ever to happen, a perfect person with her wide background, her. Let's see, that should have been a hint. Uh, Are you going to say be, Yoko Kano? You betcha. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> if you're going to go for someone to compose music for you. Well, I, I mean, she has done the space music thing. She loves orchestral arrangements. And, you know, yeah. l- l- I'm sure she's heard bits, pieces, if not the whole soundtrack. She would like, yeah, we can modernize this and we can really have it reach out and punch Beyonce. Just kind of reach out and punch people. Ah, I liked it. Like I said, animation was pretty. Um, action was, well, yeah, you kind of, I don't know where to go with this. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to give... keep, go ahead. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 All right, I was just going to quickly say I'm going to give both episodes four, because, like, uh, you know, they were both very good. I think kept the, uh, kept the spirit of the show like uh, uh pretty well it's just you know i i have some uh issues that i can't let go about the designs and the soundtrack so well and i'm gonna give them both fours and um i i kind of felt a little bit of clunkiness in it oh yeah in, uh, in yeah. what way I'm, I'm curious well the line, the delivery of the lines, I mean, the information was pretty much, and I went back and kind of browsed through a little bit of Galactic Heroes just to get an idea, a feeling of it. But it and the narrator seemed a little, um, like he really didn't have his heart into it. You know, it didn't oh, leave you, you with, like... it did, yeah, it didn't leave you, you know, at the ending when they started talking about things, you know, how Legend of Galactic Heroes, he would say that and it would kind of leave the hair on the back of your neck standing up. This was kind of like, yeah, and after, oh, our, so after our sponsors, uh, we'll be back for, yeah. Oh, so you're saying the, the narrator um, was more matter-of-fact, like less theatrical than... Yeah. And that's, yeah, I, I can the, see that. I think the word you're, I think the word that's missing is theatrical. It was... I mean, everything was well executed, but Galactic Heroes had a theatrical role to it that this one's missing at the moment. It may pick up in time. Um, yeah, and I'd say almost like in the more classical sense of theater, like on a stage. Um, because even though like it wasn't blocked like it was a stage play, um, there are parts of there are a lot of parts of LOGH that felt like a play uh, more than a traditional TV show uh, yeah. just in terms of the things it focused on and the cadence of the dialogue so uh, I can I can see where you're coming from yeah that's, yeah. That, that's what I was missing it's it was it was it was there but it was just like there was something and I knew that one of us would hit upon what it was anyway uh yeah anyway uh, yeah I'm gonna give each of those fours as well I think uh uh yeah yeah, interesting note. Uh, yeah, Reinhardt is voiced by uh, Mamor Miano. Uh, who is that? Same guy who did Ocarina in Steins Gate. <laughs> That's actually kind of perfect. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, let's move on to oh, Luke no, on no, the no. Third. 
Mm -hmm. Okay, before we go, sure. If, so, if somewhere along the line a little kid goes toot -toot 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 in the background, that's it. I've lost it. <laughs> oh, I just, God. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna say I've lost it. All right, now you guys oh, move man. on to that, and I'll see you in a bit. Uh, move on the third part five, episode one. Um, I this so believe it or not, this is actually I think the first proper Lupin show I've seen. Like. I know a lot about Lupin just through osmosis, um, but like the only until now the only actual Lupin series I had seen was Fujiko Mine, which wasn't really a traditional Lupin series. Uh, it's very good and also weird to see Lupin dealing with cyberspace. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. This episode, like he's talking like... about the dang dark web. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's like he's come up with something new to rob. Yeah, Luf Lufon went on tour, like, went on tour, like the T-O-R tour, and bought drugs. <laughs> it was weird. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I really like the direction this show is going. I yeah, they, they translate it well, though, into the... Um, a Lupin formula, like they, because it still very much feels like a Lupin the Third adventure, like full of chase scenes and hijinks and uh, Mushashi being a crazy badass. You mean uh, Goemon? Sorry, Goemon. Why did I say Musashi? <laughs> uh, yeah, Goemon being amazing. Uh, Goemon, uh, whenever he's on the screen, is always the coolest dude in the room, I feel. Yes. Uh, I apologize for my dogs barking. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I watched episode two, Ben didn't, we'll, we'll talk about that episode next time. But I also like the, uh, uh, sort of character they introduce in episode one, like the hacker girl. Yes. Uh, she's... She's a lot of fun and has some fantastic interactions with Lupin. Like it, he it kind of turns Lupin into almost this sort of doting father figure, kind of, which is a, a neat role to see him in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I... And 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 there's a super good scene between them in episode two. I am not going to say more about it, but I, am, I think you'll like it a lot. Well, yeah, I'm gonna I'm getting gonna get around to watching it uh, after the podcast, uh, and I'm looking forward to it because uh, this episode was really great. I'm going to give it a five. Yeah, a hundred percent. This was a lot of fun. Um, moving on, uh, Aaron, I, you watched Maho Shoujo Sight. Uh, and Animals I, Blue warned me that this was even worse than he thought it would be. <laughs> did you watch it, Dustin? Uh, I was planning on it, but I was kind of saving it for one of the last things I watched because I didn't want to like start recording this podcast and be like, "Oh yeah, I didn't get around to thing I this thing I actually want to do because I ended up watching this garbage instead." <laughs> did you at so least I, watch the ending? Uh, no, I did not. <sighs> I'm sorry. Fine. Uh, this is this. Whoops. This is. Did anyone else watch this? I saw it. <laughs> so, so this is a, a shot from the ending, Dustin. 
What? Uh, oh, that's a lot of sperm. <laughs> like, the entire ending is like that. Okay. Uh, Alright, all sure. It's, it's just... Also, is that just all sixes? Maybe. Is that just a bunch of six, 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 six? Because it looks like it. Yeah, the, the, like, you, you just have to watch the ending. It's real worth it. And, it, like, there's live action parts of the ending. It's... <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's... Yeah, the show itself is seriously edgelordy. Yeah. It's it's like it is unpleasant from start to finish because oh. it's all about because it's all about just piling more misery on this poor little girl. Like yeah, that's the impression I got. Yeah, and also like honestly, kind of what I expected from what I saw the preview trailer. Yeah, I, yeah, it's like this. Yeah, so this this little girl. Yeah, she like yeah, she gets bullied. <laughs> she gets bullied in school. Like yeah, that that shot is you know. Them <laughs> filling her shoe lock, filling you know, filling her shoes and her shoe locker with razor blades and tacks, uh, you know, and like literally beating her up. Uh, let's see. At one point, at one point, they get a guy who tries to rape her. Uh, and meanwhile, while also her brother beats her. Oh yeah, well her brother beats her and and, cho- and uh, actually yes. chokes her. Uh, For context, uh, just so the listeners at home know, Aaron is just uh, posting a bunch of images of every single thing this girl has to endure in this episode. Yeah, it's 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 like heavy-handed to the extreme. I mean, yeah, it's <laughs> I'm and right, and so you know, at the end of the episode, she gets these magical powers, and she actually. And she uses it to kill, uh, let's see, the guy who was going to rape her and one of the bullies. Uh, now, to be fair, that scene was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um. So this this is what happens, Dustin. <laughs> she shoots the the gun wand that she got. Uh, let me put a picture of that. And like this heart foam thing shoots out and they just disappear and then they apparently got teleported onto train tracks which then ran them over and killed them yes okay so it's almost like the death note it's like shoot shoot your wand at someone and they die in a hilarious fashion oh also uh she was taking care of a cat that was uh, underneath a thing and the bullies somehow found out about it so they threw it on the train tracks and murdered it too Oh, so yeah. it was an so it was a thematically appropriate death. Yes, yeah. yes, it was, and right, and so that still sounds real, real rough and bad. Yeah, to I mean, it is. Watch though. Uh, yeah, like okay, so like a point of comparison, point of comparison, uh, to you know another show, the first episode of Kotorasan had a similar kind of like. Keeping misery on the main character. But let me count the ways in which they are different. So the thing about Kotorasan was the reason why all these people were, you know, treating the main character like crap was because they were afraid of her and her telepathic powers. Uh, so they had, you know, so they, they actually had understandable reasons why, you know, why they mistreated her. It's because they were afraid of her. In this show, in Magical Girl's sight, they just treat her bad just because they're 
just because they're dicks. Uh, just because they're awful, awful people. And... <laughs> like, th- this show is just so bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the other thing about Kotoro-san, which, like, you know, okay... So, like, the first half of the, uh, like, the first episode, you know, spends a lot of its time, you know, making the main character miserable, but the whole point of it was to contrast it for, you know, to contrast it with, like, the rest of the show, in which the main character, you know, actually finds, you know, peace and friendship and love, and so it was that contrast between, like, the misery that she endured from all these people who were afraid of her, and her new friends, who treat her, you know, who treat her well, and and so that contrast makes made Kotorasan, you know, effective and entertaining. Not so with the show. The show it's just miserable. <laughs> the the show's real bad. Yeah. Hopefully, wow. you know. Well, you know. Now, like the very end of the, the very end of the first episode. Another magical girl shows up and like kills one of the bullies because she uh, she uses uh, she uses her power to stop time and then slit the bully's throat. <laughs> Which okay, that worked. I'll go with that. And yes. so I'm sort of int- I'm sort of interested to see where they go with this thing because I. Because, I mean, if they keep on with the same tone of this episode, I'm going to give up on it. But if I they mean, actually... It kind of seems like it's designed to be misery porn, is the thing. Yeah, but if they switch things up, then I'll keep up with it. So uh, there's no way they're going to switch things up. Uh, right. Well, I'm going to watch one more episode and give it a shot. If I could give this a zero, I would. Um, actually, no, I'll give it a one, if only for the ending. And I don't recommend watching this, but I do recommend watching the ending sequence. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm gonna give it just for the sheer WTF of it. I'm gonna give yeah, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give it a one as well. It it was really painful to watch. <laughs> All right, uh, so it seems like I made a good decision. Yeah. Um, let Let's move on to Megalobox episode one. Which I liked a lot. Uh, um, this is anime of the season so far. It's uh, not only is the animation just really good, uh, but also just all the characters in it, um, including like technically the antagonists, um, are really likable. Uh, at least so far. Uh, the story of it is actually pretty interesting where the setting is sort of this it's it, the setting is very cyberpunky uh, yeah. where you've got this um, you know core city that where all the you know well-to-do people live and then on the outskirts you've got all the people who were left behind ec- economically um, and they've got f- few opportunities for jobs and uh, and so you've got this classic setup of down on his luck, uh, down on his luck main character who has the talent, but it, you know has never been given the chance. Uh, you know, suddenly being able to uh, get into like a real competition 
and realizes dreams. So very, very kind of classic sports narrative. Uh, but wrapped in this uh, really great visual style. Um, I love how the I love how their um, Megalo gear looks. Yeah, they're basically exoskeletal arms. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, except yeah, yeah. And, and to uh, and like the and you can even see sort of uh, the like the economic the like the class warfare theme of the anime even manifests itself in the gear uh where the main character is sort of running on this very low tier kind of like cobbled together boxing setup where his exoskeleton is basically just like uh a control box with some pistons attached to it uh, and like the antagonist has this like super high-tech like cyborg arms that just sort of graft right onto his body also glow yeah also they glow because all all radical future tech must glow you got to get some leds in that shit uh but yeah i i cannot say enough good things about this show i was super pumped as i was watching it and i cannot wait to watch some more yeah yeah so one one note here one note here about the uh like okay the main character's circumstances is that yeah he he, he mostly fights in these underground boxing matches uh where he where he ends up having to throw the match uh for the benefit of you know, the, for the ben- for the benefit of various gamblers who pay him off. Now, the thing about that is, is that you can't have him throwing a match every time because then that would defeat the purpose. Yeah, I mean, you, the way you're supposed to the way you're supposed to do that kind of thing is that you let him win most of the time, and then you put all your money in the ma- you put all your money in the matches that he's supposed to throw. So that you can make a big, so that you can make a big pot of money, you know, because then you know you put all your money in the match where you know what the outcome is going to be, and yet it becomes unpredictable for the rest of the for the rest of the people who are betting on it. Because so if you have them throw the match every time, it becomes predictable, and then there's no way to make any money off it. Just saying. Yeah, and I'm not sure if that's just a failure of communication on the anime's part, and they just wanted to, like, emphasize the fights where he was forced to lose, yeah. uh, or if, like, they they did actually forget that part that he needs to win occasionally. Um, it's kind of up in the air whether or not it was just yeah. them intentionally going, making an intentional mistake there, or mm-hmm. if they just didn't communicate the fact uh, that... You know, it is a traditional setup very well. Yeah, I, I think it, I think it was kind of a, I think it was an oversight where they just didn't yeah. show, they didn't show like the parts where the parts where they let him win, just yeah. in order, just to, just to, just to make, just to, uh, just to establish the tone of what's going on with his life. I mean, because yeah, I mean, you know, even if they let him win occasionally, it's still having to throw matches where. He could easily crush the other guy. Still's got a stick in his craw. Yeah, that's definitely gonna weigh on you. 
Um, but yeah, I uh, I do like how they d- didn't make the extremely wealthy uh, lady who in- who inherited her father's boxing a- empire. I like that they didn't make her like just a straight up evil rich person. You know, she like when he crashes, um, she's like, you know, I'm like she realizes that she's the one who made him crash because she just stepped out in the middle of the road. <laughs> so, like, you know, she tries to. Uh, she's like, oh hey, I'll, I'll pay for any damages. Like, I'm sorry about that. Uh, but like his pride doesn't let him accept that. Um, yeah. So like she's not a bad person. It's just eat the rich. So like. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and yeah, and also the antagonist. Yeah, the antagonist is well developed too, in that he's like, you know, he's obviously loyal to you know his mistress. Yeah, like, he he's not just straight up, you know, a, a Cobra Kai asshole. Like, you know, he had his, uh, he had his boss, who he clearly has a lot of respect for, just straight up insulted by this random dude off the street. And he's like, well, I'm going to beat the crap out of him. <laughs> right. And, uh, which is, like, a totally understandable motivation. Yeah, and he's not, uh, yeah, and he's not pointlessly sadistic. He just gets it done. Yeah, like, he, he just wants to punch the dude out. It's not like he's not going to torture him. He just wants to, like, put him in his place. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I think all the characters in this show are written, you know, very well uh, for who they're supposed to be. Um, you know, even though I'm, like, certainly rooting for the main character, like, I don't... Th- like, I don't think the antagonists are necessarily bad people. They're just... The antagonist is all... Uh, but yeah, I I like this show a lot. Um, so absolutely going to give it a five. Five. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, let's move on to uh, Neil Admirari no Tenbin. Is that it? Yep. Yes. It is uh, an Otome game adaptation. Mm-hmm. In the same vein as uh, Code Realize from uh, last year. Oh yeah, that's the book one. Yeah, I remember I was yeah. considering watching that. I just there's so much stuff that I a lot of it just slipped my mind. Yeah, right. So the yeah, so the shtick is that the main character is this girl uh you know, is this girl who's like about to get married to some dude. Her brother objects. Yeah. Her 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 little brother objects to this and She's not really happy about it, but she doesn't think, you know, she thinks that, you know, it's what she's got to do. Uh, you know, and, you know, except her brother gets a hold of this book that makes him try and kill himself. Because it turns out That's there's... there's good. <laughs> yeah, it turns out that there's, like, that there's a bunch of evil books. Uh, and... You know, that, that, like, possess people and make them kill themselves. Uh, and her brother gets possessed by one of these books. And it turns out that she can see, like, the evil energy coming off these books. Uh, and so she gets recruited by this uh, government organization whose job it is is to track down these evil books and take them out of circulation. 
Uh, and yeah, and so basically, and so presumably, the uh, the people at this organization that she uh, co- comes to work for are going to be the pool of her love interests. And uh, so far, it's okay. Yeah, I liked it. Um, even if you don't like it, I highly recommend watching the opening and ending. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, to give you a hint... Let me upload these. Come on. <laughs> oh, where's the thing? Exciting here? podcast content. There we go. Oh, my. These are from the endings. <laughs> yeah, that shows no. That show knows what it is. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it it doesn't shy away from it being an Otome game. No, that's that's literally. Oh my! That last <laughs> one. I almost want to make that the album art. <laughs> oh, it's gonna uh, be a tough call between hilarious CGI bear and shirtless dude pouring water over his abs. <laughs> uh, there's wow. The, the opening is also really good. <laughs> um, let me get one from that. Uh, yeah, that's anyway. to give you an idea. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Okay. Hey. Yeah, yeah. So even if you don't like the show, just watch the opening and ending. It'll be <laughs> worth it. Anyway, it's the show is okay. I'll give it a three. I think I'll give it a four. I enjoyed it, but I really like Otome games a lot of times. So they see they seem to have a higher record of success than other uh, game adaptations. I'll certainly give mm-hmm. them that. Yeah, um, the biggest problem with visual novels adaptations in general is that most of them have different routes. So you run into the issue of do we pick one? person's route to go with or and what happens most of the time do we just kind of keep an amalgamation of the different routes yeah and that tends to not go as well as it, them just choosing one route yeah or you can do the amagami ss thing the amagami ss strategy and just have uh each route is a separate each route is a different arc <laughs> yeah, yeah but that only really works with shorter ones yeah yeah <laughs> Also, though, though Fate Zero, uh, Fate Stay Night did try to do that with mixed success. Let's say. Yeah, yeah, the original. Yeah. Yeah, I think they've done all three now because the original was uh, the Rin route, right? No, the original. Then, the original. Well, the, the original. Uh, the original was the oh, Saber route. Right. The original was Saber route. The Unlimited Blade Works is the Rin route. Yes. Yes. And, and then Heaven's Feel was a movie they did that I think's out now. Uh, well, it's gonna be or a, is it? It's gonna be a series of movies. They're gonna do. They're gonna make like four movies out of it. Oh right, series of movies. Yeah, and that's yeah. Sakura's route. Yeah. But the original, the original uh, Fate Stay Night one that wasn't done by uh, uh, UFO Table um, did Saber's route, but it also included stuff from the other routes, which kind of messed things up. Oh, okay. Yeah, like interesting. Yeah, because it turned out that because uh, it turned out that just doing Saber's route didn't give enough content for twenty four episodes, so they included <laughs> this whole extra arc where they had where they had to rescue Sakura from Caster. Oh, uh, okay. 
uh, which was not in the original route. Huh. And, yeah. So that's how that worked. Fate's Day Night just seems to be cursed in regards to adaptations. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> uh, so my guess... So so the thing they did with Code Realize was uh, they picked a best boy, they picked a best boy and stuck with it. I can respect that. Just like, you know what, we're making a decision. We're gonna pick this boy... Yeah. All y'all who disagree can suck it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and in my opinion, that's the correct way of doing uh, a multi-route. Yeah. So, that's probably how I'd do it, too, if I were in charge. <laughs> right. So now the question... So the question is... is uh, So the question is, uh, what strategy is this show going to do? Uh, after, As of the first episode, they, just in- they only introduced two of the boys. Uh, so... There's no way to tell. Yeah. yeah, can't can't tell until they get all the boys. Yeah, yeah. At the very end, they did kind of like flashes of the other boys. Yeah, but not introduce them to her yet. Right. All right. Yeah, I I might give that a shot next week if I've got the time because it sounds kind of interesting. Like I said, if nothing else, watch the opening and ending. Yeah. Uh, they are fabulous. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's move on to Persona 5, Episode 1, um, which I might not end up actually watching this just because I played Persona 5 so recently that I'm not really in a hurry to go through the story again. But how'd you guys feel about Confused. Persona 5? <laughs> As someone who has never played any of the games, I liked it. I am uh, definitely... I am definitely inter- interested to see uh, where they're gonna what where they're gonna go with this. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna be honest. Like um, between Personas three, four, and five, I think five has the stronger opening, just because. I mean, it helps that it starts in Media Res, um, uh, with sort of a flash forward. Uh, but that and so sort of like to get you into the action really quickly. Uh, but even then, like, it doesn't waste a whole lot of time on the school stuff before it shoves you into, like, we're Shadow World now, bros. Um, so it definitely gets into that stuff, I feel, a lot quicker than 3 and 4 did, as much as I like 3 and 4. Well, yeah, um, like, uh, yeah, like, uh, by the end of this, by the end of the first episode, they're already, you know, you know, they're already fighting, like, their first you know, uh, I guess boss. Yeah, basically. Um, yeah, so it's, it's definitely a quicker paced persona, which I feel helps more, uh, for adapting into a TV show. Um, uh, also I will say that even though I feel like persona four has, um, higher highs in terms of, uh, character, uh, characters I like, uh, Persona 5's cast is, I think, a, across the board, just a more solid cast. Because um, I can't really think... I can't really think of anybody in the Persona 5 cast that I didn't like much, aside from Morgana. But even then... Well, I guess we haven't met more. Have we met Morgana yet in Episode 5? Did a cat appear in, in the first episode? I can't remember. Uh, uh, yeah. I think only... I think... 
Not in the main. Okay, not yep. in the main. Not in the main episode. Okay, you'll meet the cat second episode. I'm pretty sure. Uh, but yeah, like cat. The cat serves basically the same purpose as Teddy did in Persona Four, but not quite as bad as Teddy was because uh, Teddy was a sexual predator. Um. Well, yeah. Also, yeah. So my question is: is like. Is the best friend character going to be as much of a dumbass as Yosuke? Uh, he's going to be kind of a dumbass, but a lot more of a more charming of a dumbass than Yosuke was, because Yosuke had a lot of that gay panic stuff and just was kind of a dirtbag at times. Whereas um, this guy, well, I can't remember his name right now. Um, but yeah, he's, this guy, this best friend is more, um, is a lot more of a nice boy. He, he's, he's kind of dumb, but he means well. Okay. okay so, that's, so he, that's so he's gonna, he's gonna be more along the lines of Junpei, but like a more, a more hyper Junpei. Okay. Okay. So fair I... enough. I get where, I get where that's coming from. Uh, anyway. Oh yeah. Fun fact. Uh, the director of this uh, was the same guy who did Shinsekai Yori. Oh, really? Huh. That's interesting. Okay, can I still say I'm confused? Sure. Uh, what were you confused by? Because I might uh, be able to help. <laughs> well, that's what I was hoping for. Uh, so, it begins present time, and well, then... Well, uh, my my take on the like my take on the way it's structured is that like it start like like yeah the first scene takes place in November, uh, which yeah, is which this... is roughly which is like roughly two thirds of the way through the story. Uh, so I'm guessing like him being captured is kind of like what happens at the end of the second act. Um, uh, because yeah, right. Because it starts with uh, you know starts with the main character being captured by the police after he's like done a whole string of robberies and whatnot, uh, and but and then you know so it has him being captured, interrogated by the police, and then it jumps back to April, which is like the chronological start of the story. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, it's it's not a spoiler at all for me to confirm that and to also say um, the interrogation with, uh, what's her name? Say Nijima, the prosecutor. She, that serves as basically the framing device for a large chunk of the game and you know obviously the anime so uh, essentially the the things that are happening here are meant to be like you know where you know he's not giving her like he's the protagonist is not literally telling say all this he's keeping some stuff hidden back but it's it's sort of meant to be uh, the main character thinking back on what happened and relating relevant information to say uh, during this interrogation, kind of. So in other words, the um, next time that I watch two episodes in a row, it'll make more sense? Yeah, yeah, because uh, most likely uh, there's going to be scenes peppered in uh, that 
cut back to the interrogation room uh, with say going like, okay, well, how'd you accomplish this? Like you have to have someone on the inside, things like that. Uh, okay. And uh, so, yeah. So, so basically, yeah, the, it starts out near, uh, I want to say like two thirds, maybe three quarters of the way through the game. Um, it's fairly near the end. Uh, so that's what we start at, then flashes yeah. back to the very beginning before the gang was all together and kind of shows how they got into this yeah. bad situation they're in now. Well, the way, yeah, the way Persona games usually work is that they, they, they span one year. And so yeah. they, they, start, uh, they start in April and then they end, like, towards the next April. <laughs> Yeah, okay. ex- exactly. Like it lasts, it lasts one school year. Uh, uh, it's just, I'm watching this and it's like, okay. I mean, I'm comprehending what I'm seeing, but my brain's going. Timeline is what, who, where, huh? Yeah, so I, I, was, I, I was able to figure it out because I actually, <laughs> yeah, I actually noticed when they, uh, when they actually, they, they, they actually put the date on the screen and. Yeah, I'm trying to think how they did that because I think in the. Um, video game i want to say it's more obvious because they actually um because in the video game whenever you uh swap the new game it goes to like a black screen that shows the calendar uh with like the series of days all in a in a row and then it like scrolls across the next day i want to say that in the game it does that same thing where at the end of the initial like in media res uh sequence it cuts that same black screen and then you see the calendar like rapidly go backwards so it's more obvious that they're uh flashing back to like his first day um in the town so uh, this you gotta this is kind of like uh, uh any of the monogatry series you gotta watch for the flashbacks in between scenes okay yeah the, oh yeah they don't do that calendar stuff at all in the uh anime it looks like so yeah I can, I can see how that would be less obvious in the adaptation that it is, than it is in the game okay so we're bouncing we're, we're having a Steins Gate bouncing around in time moment and the problem is, is I had watched yeah. Steins Gate but without I watched actual Steins time Gate travel before, <laughs> I had watched Steins Gate before I watched this so yeah that's, let's don't watch them in that order again <clears throat> I need time for my mind to go uh wait a minute we just okay and it's going to be like okay deeper for okay gotcha <laughs> i think hey you know the dumb question i found out a long time ago is the one that's not asked so yeah no that that's fine okay fair enough uh anyway i'm gonna give this episode a four yeah now that i'm not yeah, as I much ag- confused i can agree with that um Let's move on to uh, Sarido Sumibito wa Ryuto Odoru. Uh, you can translate that as Dances with the Dragons. Gotcha. Because I like that better. Dances with the Dragon, episode with, oh, episode one. Uh, yeah, it was... Okay, so this is a, you know, fantasy light novel adaptation, except and that... And boy, does it read like one. <laughs> yeah, the, okay, the, the, uh, the night... Okay, so the night... The nicer thing about it, there there are some. It does ring some changes on the formula. For one thing, uh, the tech level of the world is mostly modern. You know, they've actually yeah. got like cars and phones and computers and all that. It's so so it's like a you know, so it's like a modern day world except that there's like 
they have this like this, this like magic science called Jushiki. Uh also the main character actually has a girlfriend. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so the main yes, the main character is an adult man with a girlfriend. He's not just like yeah. a you know, he's not like a a teenage boy. Yeah, with like a harem or anything like that. that that's one of the things I just want to briefly mention is that uh, I, I did appreciate that none of the characters really gave me the impression that this was a like wish fulfillment type light novel. It it just felt like oh this this person just really wanted to thought of like a cool magic system and setting and wanted to make it into a story and like. Yeah, that's basically what we got. It's it's not the typical light novel of I can't believe my little sister is a hot elf and also in love with me. <laughs> oh, that, oh yeah. Also, uh, that, there's you elves just left a picture reason. in my mind. Well, yeah. The main the, the main character's girlfriend is an elf, and <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, you know, although it looks like uh, from based on the second episode, the other main character. Actually, does have a harem. <laughs> uh, Great. Yeah. The, the yeah the other guy is like this dragon blooded race, I guess. Yeah. He's got a like fancy that. transformation sequence. Yeah. Also, his weapon is totally out of God Eater. Oh, it so is. Uh, that's one of the things that's kind of funny about the show, and like. It's got some edgelord going on, but in a, in a way, I kind of appreciate, like, it's like, you do you, show. Um, I, I think my impression of it is that it doesn't leave that much of an impression. Um, the dialogue is serviceable, but can get pretty clunky at times, uh, especially near the beginning. Like, I noticed there's a very obvious sequence where the two main characters are talking to each other very much in exposition mode where they're trying to do the whole, like, you know, I I've known you for all my life, but I have to say everything I know about you in this one sentence to catch the viewers up to speed. Oh, yeah. It's the, <laughs> that it's sort the, of deal. It's the, as you know, Bob, a trick. Yeah. Which yes. is, which almost never works. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, it's certainly, like, ain't got the greatest dialogue in the world. Um, but all, at, at the same time, like, there's nothing, like, offensively bad about it, or even just offensive in general. Um, it's a perfectly fine sort of fantasy series with some, like, kind of grungy modern aesthetic. Um, so, I don't know, I, I might end up liking it, and I can totally see it being a... Uh, a show that a lot of people enjoy, um, yeah. Just because, like, it's it's generally just like it, it. It's pretty okay. Like it's it's it. It's better than average. Yeah, um, I'd probably still give it a three. Uh, yeah. Just because it didn't really leave much of an impression on me. I I left it going like, oh yeah, this was okay. Um, yeah, I, I'd give it a strong three. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I mean, also, it, if, if you're the in the mood names. for like a, a a decent fantasy series that isn't like embarrassing, like this will definitely do it. So all of the proper name dropping in the scene with the the uh, 
the Senate, I guess, or oh. whatever council. <laughs> like, holy yeah. crap, I don't know the names of any of these countries or peoples or things, and we're just not going to... Okay, we're just going to roll with it. All right. Yeah, fine. there's a lot of capitalized nouns in this show. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of verbiage to catch up on uh, yeah. and keep up with. Yeah. And it doesn't help that they that they don't use like Japanese or any language as their uh their text. They use the made up crap. Yeah, yeah. It's uh it's one of those sort of it's one of those early problems that like literally every budding writer runs into that I myself have done when I was creating my own fantasy settings where it's just like, oh, making up neat sounding words that don't mean anything will make my setting sound cooler. No, it won't. It really won't. It'll just it'll just confuse people. And well, train wreck the audience. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like having an ear. Having is that some people have an ear for names and some people don't. Yeah, like if if you want to make like having like one or two like completely made up words can be fine if like you're ma- making it up for something crucial in your story that'll come up again and again. But don't don't go wild with it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, the the entire dialogue in Klingon is just out. But yeah, um, yeah, not not much else to say. Like, it's fine. I might I might watch more of it, but we'll see. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think I'll give it another episode to see if it just does anything stand out. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. Also, I'm more talking about this. What's it? Where they give you the titles of the people, where it would be really good to know who these people are. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Instead, they like that's that's got to be just a cipher, right? Like a straight up like a a, a to B cipher. Or well, it's probably a uh, well, it's probably a katakana cipher. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously, <laughs> like they wouldn't probably wouldn't have been using a Romanji cipher, but still, like that's definitely not like a Tolkien level language. <laughs> Well, not even like a Little Witch Academia. Uh, was it wasn't Academia a cipher, or was it more complicated than that? I thought it no, was no, it Latin. was a straight cipher. And okay, we, yeah, and Four Chan figured it out. Yeah. yeah, but like the, the the difference with that cipher is that it was kind of in the background and more of like an Easter egg for people to figure out, whereas this cipher is just straight up hiding relevant information. Yeah, yeah, I don't understand why you would do that. Like I get that it's thematic, but come on, at least give us in at least give us like metatextual subtitles. Yeah, it's real annoying. Like, I'd really like to know the names and, and positions of these two guys who appear to be very, very important uh, or well dressed. Well, at least. Main, let's see. I was able to figure. Let's see. The main oh, the, the two main characters are Gaius and Gigina. For what that's worth. Well, yeah, the main characters are easy. It's just the important side characters that, like, it would have been real nice to know who those guys are, seeing as they're <laughs> probably going to come up again a lot. Yeah. Okay. Also, I really like the uh, the dragon-blooded dude's fascination with just chairs and furniture. Oh. <laughs> 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 He's like, no, man, they're great. What are you talking about? I mean, I I agree. I like chairs too. Chairs are wonderful. I like sitting down a lot. Uh, I was going to say, properly seasoned <laughs> chairs aren't bad What are you doing, you weird-ass dude? Oh, no. oh yeah, there's... The, let's see. Yeah, there's this bit where the... Uh, 
Yeah, there there was this bit where the drag where Gigina, the dragon blooded dude, uh, actually you know comments to the bartender about the quality of his furniture in this bar. <laughs> I kind of love when characters have little quirks like that. <laughs> As, especially especially when they're like these like super self serious people like. Uh, Gigina 100% is. He's like the most edgelordy in an already kind of edgelordy show. And just having him be like, having a like, really earnest uh, appreciation for furniture is wonderful. Okay. Uh, okay, moving on. Yeah, uh, Steins Gate Zero, episode one. Um, and also, to a lesser extent, Steins Gate 23, side B. Um, because it directly leads into, uh, Steins Gate Zero. I had for... 23 Beta. Beta, whatever. Um, I had forgotten how much I missed these characters, because they're still genuinely a lot of fun. I was a little worried that they wouldn't hold up, um, because Steins Gate aired several years ago. Uh. Seven. Seven years ago. Good lord. Yeah, and it seems uh, like only yesterday isn't getting old great. Man. Oops, sorry. I had to throw But yeah, no, like, it, they're, the cast is still fantastic. Uh, oh, yeah. They're still really, really fun. And I actually like Sirius Ocarine a lot. Um, he's, a, he's a very good character. Oh, yeah, and Mamoru Miyano totally sells it oh yeah 100 percent um his, his voice acting there is just perfect um i i really liked uh this first episode of steins gate zero a ton um even just beyond the nostalgia factor of getting to see these characters interact again um i just genuinely like uh the idea of sort of this friend group uh, who was together for a long time, just kind of splitting up, but not really wanting to, like, really split up. So they, they're they sort of in this awkward situation where nothing's really quite the same. Yeah, well, you're but uh... they But they want to, but they want to still capture what they had before. Um, yeah, and, 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 right, and what I really... Like, I like this new side of Ocarine, uh, you know, where he's like, where he's sort of being kind of reluctantly dragged back into, you know, his old circle of friends, and, but, and, and yeah. he's sort of, and it seems that he's forcing himself to go along because he, he, he knows at some level that he has to face this. Yeah. Also, I just really like how, um, you know, they kind of want him. Some some of them actually, especially like Cat Girl. I can't remember what her name is now. Uh, Ferris. Ferris. Yeah, yeah. Ferris. Yeah, Ferris is kind of like trying to get him to sort of go back into his old character again, but he's just kind of embarrassed by it. Like he he kind of he's kind of the opinion that like, oh, that was you know, back when I was foolish and childish and like. He's just super uncomfortable well, about the references to his old self. Well, it's not just. Uh, well, it's not about being foolish. It's about 
you know, associating, like, the, his old self with his yeah. greatest failure. Yeah, all, yeah, also what it represents. Well, um, I also I, like his reveal of, like, oh yeah, I'm in a club, it's a tennis club, and everyone's like, wait, seriously? <laughs> tennis? Yeah. No, no, what, what, the why I like is hiding your time-traveling daughter who's older than your wife from the person who's not quite your wife yet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was great. She's just like, I hear boots. Is it Okarin? No, no it's mom. mom. Zap. And Yeah, she like and, tries to go all Metal Gear Solid. And and she's hiding and you know, most people don't usually look straight up in a bathroom, but of course Ogreen has to and oh hey, looky what's hanging from the rafters. Yeah, and then she puts him in a chokehold. Well, yeah, because she doesn't want him to say anything, or she's still a little angry at her from what happened in 23 Beta. Yeah. So, yes, watching 23 Beta before you watch the first episode is a good idea. Yes, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, otherwise I would have been... I would not have remembered what the hell happened. (laughs) So uh, um, that's just a helpful hint. If you're listening to this and said, yeah, I watched that episode and it didn't make any damn sense. Well, go grab 23 beta, watch it. And then you'll go, Oh, that's yeah. how he stubbed his toe. Also, I super love the twist at the end. Yeah. Uh, where it's revealed that uh, both, both because of the sort of character dynamic it's going to set up, but also because it just shows even more how much of a genius Kurisu was. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh yeah, Kurisu, before she died, pretty much figured out uh, uh, how to program a you know lifelike, sapient AI, and we just kind of took her notes and finished it for her. And so now there's just an AI Kurisu. Which I'm trying to yeah. figure out why unless it's the ai karisu that starts world war three <laughs> that'd be pretty good actually. <laughs> that'd be yeah, that'd be hilarious well it's i mean the look on ocarine's face was like what i get get so yeah i'm 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 kind of on for seeing what happens here because uh they've <sighs> I also keep... good job breaking it mayushi yeah. Also, there's like a little girl who looks a lot like Kurisu in the yeah. initial segment in the future. Yeah, that is weird, huh? Uh huh. I wonder what could be going on with that. Don't know. Hate you, Aaron. <laughs> I know a little bit of Steingate Zero, but not not everything. Okay. Yeah. So uh, uh, yeah. in other words, he's not holding out on us this time. Much. Yeah, but man, this this really scratches the Steinsgate itch again that I had sort yeah, of forgotten I, that I had. Um, I'll definitely give it a five. Five, yeah. yes. And I'll tell you, if I don't watch anything else this season, I think this is one thing that I definitely will watch. Mm-hmm. It's there's just too much going. Well, huh? Huh? Hmm? And I and all I, right. I like it. Yeah. Uh. Roll five. Sword Art on. Sorry, oh, sorry. It's not no, it's right. I, I just, it was, it was just thinking out loud. And I like, oh, I didn't give a score. Yeah. <laughs> oh, also. Yeah. <laughs> I like uh, after he encounters the uh, the professor, the mini professor. Yes. Oh yeah. 
and she starts leaving he, <laughs> the line, if Dara saw her, he'd shout Weagle Wally for the win. Yeah. Yeah, which <laughs> he definitely would, and that's why he's the worst. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, she kept waving that badge, and I'm like, man, don't you do subtraction in school anymore? It's like... <laughs> She's yeah, like, yeah, like, and it's not like the date of birth is hidden at all. No, it's, it's just like, like in, straight up there. It's like, come on, Ocarine, stop being a dick. It's like in four foot high letters. Come on, can't you do the math? <sighs> yeah, it, yeah. Of course, he was. He wasn't the only one being a dick. Everybody else that she'd encountered before him, it was exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. She yeah, she mentions like four other people had done the same thing. It's like, man, you've got a rough life. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to be fair, probably make the same mistake too. I mean, probably initially, but like after the third time, at like, well, and after handing me like the driver's license or whatever, I'd figure it out. Well, and for me, I have a friend who is vertically challenged and doesn't look a day over what she is, and it's like you know, uh, yeah, it's like I, I can understand what she's going through. I mean, there's nothing like getting carded, and they look at the card, and they look at the picture, and they look at the person, and they look at the picture, and goes, you got any other identification on you? I said, yeah, here's my carry and conceal. Oh, well, yeah, if you're old enough to have one of those, you're old enough to have a drink. Subtle. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Yeah, it was real good. I'll give it a five. Yeah. S- Sword Art Online Alternative, Gun Gale Online, uh, episode one. Um was fine like uh i feel the same way about this season of sao as i did about uh sarado sumibito um where it's got some decent stuff going on um i think the interaction between the main character and her um sort of combat buddy who like knows a lot about tactics and stuff um is is pretty okay it's sort of utilitarian, but you know it's decent. It it works well enough, um, and the actual action uh, the actual a- action scenes are pretty okay, uh, and most crucially, it lacks uh, so far any of the blatant objectification that Sword Art Online proper has. Um, you know, like weird butt windows or people keeping women in cages to be rescued uh yeah well so also that's suitcase wally certainly a plus well um, I, um uh, snake would be proud yeah so i'm um, i'm to uh uh short cute pink and a p90 what more could you want yeah uh the main character d- definitely does have a pretty distinctive design and like again it's just you know uh, it's meant to be sort of an out-of-place design, but it's also not meant to be, like, very obviously fanservice-y, like uh, 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 Shinon was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Shion, I can't remember how her name was spelled. Uh, like, Shinon. Shinon. Yeah, she was, she was 100 her character design was 100% supposed to be, like, waifu bait. Whereas uh, this, this character just looks like a character someone would make in an MMO. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially yeah. since it, especially since it contrasts with her real life body type, which is which she's not happy with. Yeah, and which I like, don't think we got any of that in the first episode. Uh, she's, very, yeah, at, at the, the very end. end, at the very end of the first episode, uh, you see her, the, you see her that, real her real body. 
that that six foot tall woman with a tray of food. That's that's Shorty. Okay. Yeah, wearing the turtleneck. Yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember because I remember thinking like, man, I, I remember reading the premise, but they like, there's nothing, almost nothing of the sort of um, uh, real world part in here at all. So I kind of forgot that there was stuff at the end. Yep. Uh, I think my favorite part of this episode was the tactics, mm-hmm. specifically the tactics at the end. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree. That that's certainly what kept me watching through it. Um, because like everything else, I feel was like you know it was okay. Uh, there's nothing like particularly bad about it. It just uh, wasn't particularly um, engaging uh, in most other aspects. Uh, but I did like the tactics quite a bit. Yeah, it's like you know. So what? Especially am I... using the body as an as an invulnerable object. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. It's like yes, that is precisely what you do. Exploit the game rules. So it's like oh, you yeah. know. Oops. Oh, that's okay. also that the uh, the two were, the sniper and the commander at the end, just like no, we can end it here. She's moving faster than a normal human would would this no longer serves our training purposes. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was sort of interesting. Is Yeah, is you basically have, like, this, you know, real-life soldiers using, uh, <clears throat> you know, using this, you know, VR, using this VR game as a training platform. Which actually mimics things that are happening in real life. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you got dogs. You got dogs. I got phone. So, uh, fun fact, uh, the author of, uh, th- these particular, uh, of, like, the book that this is adapting, uh... Oh, this was a different author than Mainline Sword Art series? Yes. The author, uh, was the guy who wrote Kino's Journey. Alright, that would explain why it contains basically nothing of the, what I dislike so much about Sword Art Online proper. Well, now, let's be fair... We've barely we've seen one episode. True, it's just the first episode, but yeah, I, I do mean, hold there will always be time to screw things. I up. mean, it, you know, if she walks down the hall and bumps into Asuna, that could you know that could kind of ruin it for me. I doubt Asuna would ever play Gungale. That just doesn't seem her style. She seems squarely in the fantasy genre. Yeah, the bigger the sword you swing, the happier I am. Kind of like how you'll never see me uh, playing. Player unknowns battlegrounds because that just ain't my game. <laughs> I think I also can really emphasize with the uh, the initial like uh, gangster people with the giant ass machine guns. Yeah, <laughs> they're just like screw it, fire, yeah, fire just, everything just, until we yeah, run out need, of bullets. Who needs aim when you yeah. have all the bullets? Like you know, burn up animal, <laughs> melt barrels, have a nice day, film at eleven. More DACA. I just love that. More DACA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <sighs> just keep firing. We still have bullets. There are times that I watch these things and, you know, real firearms and real practice, uh, believe it or not, you, those do have barrel overheats on them. You get them too hot and you will regret the next thing you do when you try to push another round down it. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm assuming that they don't have that kind of stuff in here. Well, but you know, it's you they give this image it's like, "Oh, wait a minute. I know this is fantasy. I know it's a game. I know it's everything else, but you know, come on. You know, somebody somewhere along the line hopefully actually check to see what real firearms do when you fire them like that for prolonged periods of time." <clears throat> I mean, to be fair, where they also used a dead body as invulnerable cover. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, also the machine depending. guns did. It, it, it seems like Gun Gale, at least from both uh, the original Gun Gale series and from Alternative, is that like it's semi-realistic but not simulationist, like say Arma Three is. Um, yeah. It's sort of in a middle ground where like the models are realistic and you know probably the, the recoil and all that stuff is more on the realistic lines, but uh, it. Yeah, it probably doesn't have a uh, hyper realistic uh, bullet drop or you know more detailed yeah. things like that. Well, and that's uh, especially where... since like in the original Gun Gale, you could make a competitive lightsaber build. Like, <laughs> well, and it's you know Shinon, she had to account for all those things. You know, drift, trajectory, wind. It's like okay, yeah, that's pretty realistic. But this one, where yeah, it's... we're not. Yeah, well, I'm just I. Not that I'm nitpicking, it's just like, uh, come on, guys. You know, <laughs> stop stop leaving this impression that everything's perfect and stuff works all the time because it don't. Yeah. I just like, like when she complains that M used her as a decoy, it's yeah. like, you're in all pink. Yeah. You're yeah. Pink. <laughs> you know, the first like, that is quite clearly your purpose. It's like, you know, the first thing he does is he throws her to poncho and says, here, why? Uh, we're in the jungle. You're pink. Figure it out. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Sorry. Oops. And then she is someone that clearly put all points into agility. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's she's faster than any rabbit I've ever seen. Dex-based. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it it, it was pretty okay. Um, obviously, I'm going to still be skeptical because Sword Art Online. Uh, uh, but... <clears throat> Um, it doesn't seem to be falling for the same traps as her online typically does uh, from the first episode. Um, and the, there's some, then there's a few things about it I do genuinely like, so I'll probably give this episode a three, and I'll give it a couple more episodes. I, I gave it a four because, I mean, short, pink, bunny ears, and a P90, and a pink P90 on top of it. I mean, where can yeah. you go wrong? I'm going to give it a four as well. Mm-hmm. Four for me. All right. Uh, now, finally, let's go to Uma Musume, episode one. Oh, boy. Which I couldn't even make it through the first episode. Um, I got about halfway through. But, man, this... This show is so aggressively corporate to me. Um, which I guess makes a certain amount of sense because it's clearly meant to advertise for the up upcoming um, uh, Gachapon mobile game. Uh, but yeah, like it's just checking off all the boxes of like, oh, what's hot in anime these days? Like, oh, Monster Girls? All right, these ones are horses. Uh, it's like, oh, like cute girls doing cute things? Well, these horse girls are also racetrack uh runners 
It's like, oh, people like idols. Whenever the horse wins the race, they then pull on and put on an idol concert. Which, like, what? Yeah, that, that was so bizarre. Like, it's just so aggressively ticking off all the like. This is what's popular in anime now. Boxes that I found it just, uh, I horribly cynical in a so, way I just sound, couldn't stand. It sounds like it ticked you off. Uh, and also just e- even beyond that like i might have been able to get through it if the main character were like good at all but you know how i was saying one of the things i was most impressed by with uh place further than the universe is that the sort of the main character who seemed like she was going to be a stereotypical main character in the four uh, cute girls doing cute things genre <laughs> like sort of like really energetic and ditzy um but she had depth to her, uh, so she wasn't just all that. That is just basically the main character Uma Musume is the polar opposite uh, of the main character in A uh, Place Further the Universe. She is a hundred percent the stereotype, uh, just oh, super energetic, like super high bubbly voice at all times, like dits clumsy you know go through the checklist you name it she's got it and she's she's not a person she's just a like she's she's just a cardboard cutout of again you know what's what's popular in main characters in these this type of genre is everything Everything about this just seems like a bunch of marketing people sat in a room and created an anime. <laughs> I just... Like, I, I, I have a lot to say about this one. Uh, first of all, the names. The names are great. Well, actually, well, a fun uh, fact about that. Uh, the names are uh, based on real racehorses. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah real racehorses. That's, that's one of the things I... That's one of the only things I did appreciate about the show is that they were a hundred percent accurate to really stupid racehorse names. I know that was great. Um, you mean but my my absolute favorite part is the lore that they show at the beginning. God, yeah. Be- because, because apparently, horses from our world just got sick of our crap. I guess. So they took their spirits and went into a parallel universe that doesn't have horses, <laughs> and then apparently, like, impregnated random women to have horse girls? That... I guess. Going, going like, real Odin with that shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That is... <laughs> that is bonkers in the best way. I'm listening to this and I think my mind just froze like if if the actual show was as goofy and fun as the backstory for the show I'd probably like it way more um, but like you have that really like you know goofy and a premise just paired with a bog standard cute girls doing cute things show combined with a bog standard monster girl show. Okay, I'm gonna have a I have a slightly different perspective on this, All which right. is uh, which is that it's not strictly speaking a cute girls doing cute things show. What it is is 
it is a female-centered sports show, uh, which has its own cliches, which this show is, well, playing by the letter. Uh, so, like, so therefore, the main character is not just, is, is mainly a, is a ditz for the purpose that she doesn't know anybody, therefore everybody can explain things to her. Uh, which is what you yeah, get they, in, which is what you they, get in, combined, like, ditzy main characters. It's why you have ditzy main characters. They, they've managed to combine the worst aspects of cute girls doing cute things and sports shows. Yeah, it's it's really kind of impressive. And, oh, I almost forgot the thing I hated most about the show is, like, the, like, the horse scout who introduces himself by just starting, just, like, groping her leg. Oh, yeah. And it's supposed to be, like, played off as goofy. It's like, oh, this dude is so enamored by uh, how much inherent, like, uh, talent she seems to have as a runner, and she thinks he's being a pervert. And it's like, well, actually, yeah, he is... He is being a very bad person right now, actually. It's not funny that he's just, like, stroking her leg out of nowhere. <laughs> well, which I, I appreciate that he, that he gets kicked in the face twice for his trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I don't like that he continues to be a character afterwards. Oh, by the way... Apparently having learned Dustin, not to be a creepazoid. He, he does end up being her trainer in the school. Yeah, I mean, uh, duh. I, I figured that would happen. I just didn't want it to. Also, guess what type of uh, uh, squad she joins? Is it the best squad or the worst squad? Oh, it's clearly the worst squad, because that's how right. these go. Who, who else joins her squad? Um, there's probably a nerd. Well, no, 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 no. Other than the, the normal people. Oh, uh, oh, I, I, oh, you mean, like, the horse girl specifically? Yeah. Okay, one of them's gonna be a, um, sort of silent Ray Ayanami type. Well, no, okay, hold on. The, the other girl that joins the, the three people that are already in the squad is the, the, I can't Oh, you mean the rival character? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, the one we see at the start who's, like, super awesome? Yes, yes, okay. she joins. Despite her previously being on the best team. Okay, yeah, that's what you were going for. Yeah. yeah. It, well, it, it's well, there's everything wrong with this. Well, it's not okay. I don't see her as a rival character. She's more like a you know a nice senpai type character, which is yeah. It's it's like yeah. It, it's like each like there's like so many cliches in this thing. Uh. And they come, like, the cliches come from all directions. Yes. Kind of amazing, actually. It's it's just so bad. This is just so bad. I I wouldn't say that it's outright bad. I just think it's mediocre. I, I 100% I, would. <laughs> I think it's, it's so bad it's bringing Aaron to tears. Are you, the the best part of the show is still like the first thirty seconds where they explain the horse girl thing. <laughs> I kind of I, I kind of want to use that sort of thing in a RPG setting at this point. It's like, oh yeah, these don't exist anymore because they got fed up with. It, it it almost reminds me of, uh, like 
um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Universe. Like, the, the, the dolphin just being like, all right, peace out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thanks for all the fish. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I just, I'm going to give this show a one. Yeah, yeah, one. I'm going to give it a two. It was bad. And that sounds like, thankfully, I didn't watch it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, I do want to mention um, because actually, uh, um, Cyberdude tweeted at me about this, uh, and I had totally forgotten that I really wanted to watch this show. Um, Hina Matsuri. Uh, so oh, yeah. that I... actually has two episodes out, and I totally forgot about it. Um, uh, yes, I saw it and I liked it, and we can talk about it next week. Yeah, uh, I 100% intend and, uh, to also, watch that show. Uh, the first episode of uh, My Hero Academia came out, but it's mostly a recap, so it's not worth reviewing. Yeah, we, we just skipped it because it was largely a recap episode combined with a beach episode, which we all know how those go. No, it was a pool episode, but yeah. Oh, close enough. Yeah. Actually, the uh, girls were in full body suits, so that really aggravated the boys. Uh, I I can't I can't imagine how fun Mineta was during. Oh, that he was the one who planned. He, he, he planned all this. He planned all this, and it backfired in his face. And he was royally, of course. Of course, Deku did something too. But you'll have to watch it. I'm not going to give it all away. Yeah. All right. Uh, anyway, uh, also next next recording we'll be covering Full Metal Panic. Um, and also probably some other stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I think Piano Nomori also. Uh, yeah, I think uh, that hasn't been picked up for streaming yet. Uh, uh, okay. Hisone uh, uh, to Masotan also aired a little too soon before recording for us to get to. I also uh, failed to watch Cutie Honey in time, but I will try to get to that for next time as well. There's just a lot of stuff that I oh, just yeah. didn't have time for. I saw Cutie Honey. It's... Uh... It... We can talk about it. <laughs> okay, it's yeah, <laughs> I sort of figured, um, but yeah, there there's some other stuff we're planning on doing. Uh, that said, if you if there is a show you really want us to be talking about, feel free to tweet at us, and I'll see if I can get around to it. Um, but yeah, I feel like um, a lot of this stuff will be sticking around for at least another recording. Um, uh huh. So be... what we're immediately dropping is just Maho Shoujo site and Uma Musume. Yeah. Um, also, probably Logh. Um, not because it's bad, but because we'd be retreading a lot of the same ground. Um, mm -hmm. We we might uh, go. We will probably just like talk about it at the end of season, just to say how we felt the adaptation, um, whether it stood up well to the original. Uh, so. You know, probably be the the last uh, weekly thing we do for LOGH. Uh, but other than that, we're probably going to keep most of it for now until we get a better sense of you know how things shake out. Yeah, and I think unless you really like it, uh, the Nil Admari no Tenbin, the Otome game one, we can probably stop talking about. Yeah, I think I think there are a few borderline ones um, like uh, Gurazini and. Um, Nil uh, Adimari and Sarado and Sao uh, that I think. Yeah, we don't need to. Um, yeah, unless unless the next episode uh, like really does something different, uh, we don't need to talk yeah. about uh, Gurazini. 
yeah. Yeah, so I, I think there's plenty of cuts we can make, not necessarily because they're bad, but because just they're just not quite good enough. Um, but yeah, we'll... we'll not interesting enough well, to talk and about. We're yeah. not into three-hour tours yet. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll cross that bridge next time. Uh, so until then, do we have yes, any I po- it's an, comments? It, yes, I posted a link in the thingy. Okay, radical. So you would there's catch- a there's a lot of stuff I have to scroll through. <laughs> there we go. It's at the bottom. Also, right. apparently the um, the Isekai uh, Izakaya shows are 15 minutes in length each. Oh, that's not um, bad. Ten minutes of which are the actual show, and the remaining five minutes are like a cooking thing. Huh? To show you how to cook what they made in the show. Huh. That's neat. I always like when cooking anime do- does that. Like, I liked it in uh, Yakitate Japan, and I like it whenever it shows up anywhere else. Yeah, so, I don't know. I'm just skimming through the episode now, so. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, comment from David Pollard. Uh, he says, I've been enjoying Kokoku, partly because it strongly reminds me of a book I read when I was a teenager. Uh, the Girl, the Gold Watch, and Everything which was the lone uh, sci-fi book by an author who was modestly famous mid-century for writing scores of hard-boiled detective novels. Differences are mostly superficial, hillbilly mobsters instead of a cult, protagonist is male instead of female, and there are lots of women trying to bed him, since this is an adult novel from the early 1960s. (laughs) Uh, One major difference is that you get booted out of the frozen time after an hour subjective time in the book. Uh, very pumped that Violet Evergarden has finally made over to Netflix. Not surprised to learn that episodes 2 through 5 were anime original. Uh, there's a scene in either Ep 2 or 3 where the short doll with the round face and glasses is looking at a store display, reminiscing about the creation of the first typewriter, and a doll in support of the inventor's wife, who was a novelist going blind. It's clear that the form uh, sitting at the typewriter is a literal doll and seems to be a deliberate attempt to ob- obfuscate the issue of Violet and the other doll's humanity. To me, it wasn't clear that Violet was human until I heard a few episodes later her letter on behalf of the betrothed princess. Uh, Also, it seems that her level of AI was jarringly at odds with the other technology in the society she was in. Not that this has stopped other anime from following similar conceits. Yes, I'm looking at you, indestructible machine girl. I don't actually remember (laughs) that anime. Uh, (laughs) The the title for that was Unbreakable Machine Doll. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was a light novel adaptation from uh, a few years back. Wasn't that good? Yeah, See. I've read the manga. I said it. It wasn't that good. <laughs> uh, one other aspect of the artistry for this anime that was not mentioned in three fifty eight was voice acting. It would be so easy and so much less effective merely to have Violet's voice actress do me uh, uh, to merely do a bad job of acting and read the part uniformly flat and a- affectless. Instead, she's doing it subtle, and it's making all the difference. Viola's character will probably be a nightmare to dub into English as effectively as she was originally voice acted. Uh, which actually is a good point that, uh, yeah, I totally forgot to bring up, but the voice acting also definitely helped uh, the melodrama not come across as um, too cloying. Uh, one last note. Uh, looking for anime to do live action, how about Kokoku? I'm seeing it as a low-budget 1970s BBC live-action show. Think Tom Baker-era Doctor Who. Cheesy uh, special effects, things hanging in the air on fishing lines, all lighthearted fun and not taking itself that seriously. Um, I think that would work better if Kokoku itself took itself less seriously. Um, 
though I can totally see Kokoku being a, a pretty solid B-grade Netflix original live-action series. Very culty. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can see it sort of being, uh, like, with slightly, like, give it, you know, around, about the production value, value of what Stranger Things had. And I can totally see that being a pretty solid live-action adaptation. Yeah, buddy. But yeah, uh, thank you for the comment, David. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that uh, reading of... Um, uh, God, <laughs> I definitely agree with your comments about the like the voice acting being pretty important. Um, and also, I pretty good uh, stuff on Kokoku. I actually had... I don't think I've ever heard of that particular author. I don't think he said his name in the post. Uh, John D. McDonald. Okay. I have huh. heard of I have heard of that. Yeah, he was... Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. You seem to, you seem to know a lot about uh, sort of old, older sci-fi authors. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> a lot more than I do. Well, yeah, because I used to... Yeah. I read... I... I like, I used to be, uh, you know, I used to frequent uh, sci- sci-fi news groups, particularly oh, uh, okay. uh, Rec Arts SF Written, back when Usenet was a thing. I used oh, to, yeah, I used to... <laughs> back when people went to Usenet, yes. <laughs> yes. That was slightly before my time. Yes, and when Usenet was a thing, uh, yeah, Rec Arts SF Written was, uh, was like, the main science fiction news group, and uh, yeah, yeah, that the girl, the gold watch, and everything that occasionally came up. Huh. Neat. Uh, I just posted a link to uh, Violet's voice actress. Take a look at the work she's done, and you can understand why she did what she did. Okay, uh, Yui Ishikawa. Let's see. Oh, she's Mikasa in Attack on Titan. That's probably the uh, closest uh, approximation to what she's going for with Violet. Um, yeah, like, I I actually feel that Mikasa's voice acting was one of the strongest parts, uh, was one of the strongest um, acting jobs in Attack on Titan, so that makes a lot of sense. Um, also, also similar, not necessarily in personality, but voice affectation, because Mikasa is very serious <laughs> at basically all times. Uh, but yeah, that I totally get why they would cast her then. Um, interesting. Oh, she was. Oh, she was in an episode of Ushio Totora. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's late. Um, yeah, I gotta make dinner now. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be it for this episode of BakaCast. Uh, feel free to send us uh, comments and questions um, either on our blog at projectharhi.net or audioentropy.com. Uh, send us an email at bakacast at projectharhi.net. Uh, or send us uh, send me a tweet at StiltheGM or send it to Ben at DeathSlinky okay while, while we're mentioning that if you send in an email and it gets kicked back to you walk over and leave me a comment in any of the BakaCast the most current one would be the, the problem should be fixed but you know it doesn't kick me back but then again I'm administrator, so it probably looks at me and says, "Oh yeah, well we'll work for you." <clears throat> we kind of got to ride that line between uh, blocking enough spam and also letting actual legit emails come through. 
I had 238 email messages this morning, and the only oh, one that was any good was Crunchyroll. All the rest of them nice. was trying to sell me everything from Cialis to a new roof. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, since a lot of that stuff gets forwarded to me, I'm very well aware. Thankfully, my Gmail just automatically puts that stuff in the spam box. Well, the Bacacast <laughs> I fixed because you should be pretty much haven't seen spam out of it for a while. But they adjusted the server and didn't bother to tell me. And so my temperate settings went to um, <clears throat> draconic settings. And so yeah. I had to go in and talk to the dragon because he was he was being uh -huh. a little he was being temperamental. <laughs> I like how if I go into uh, my spam the podcast, yeah. I like how if I go into my spam inbox, like a good ninety percent of it have the uh, vodkacast at projectharihi.net tag yeah. in the subject line, letting me know it's from that email address. <laughs> uh, oh well, such is life on the internet. Yeah, well, like I said, it's. Uh, Spum, 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 spum. Never mind. Anyway, uh, Ben. Dustin. Three, two, one. Kiribush. Thunderstorms. It was 40 Monday, 87 today, and it'll be 42 Sunday. What season is it? Wabbit season. Bye-bye. <laughs> it's like 90 degrees here, Larry. Yeah, but it always is 90 degrees there.